What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the PropG Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of PropG Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the PropG Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, welcome to a new episode of Sixers Daily. I'm your host, Jazz Kang. Lots to discuss after a disappointing effort for the Sixers. It was a big matchup between Nikola Jokic, Joel Embiid, two MVP favorites, the odds on MVP favorites at this point, but... The Sixers did give up a big first half lead, ended up losing to the Nuggets. Adio and Sean covered the game, but we're going to talk about some of the bigger issues. Before we jump into things, don't forget, subscribe to the Liberty Ballers Podcast Network. You can catch us wherever you get your fix. And of course, go to libertyballers.com for all your Sixers needs as we head now into the stretch drive of the season. Only 15 games left to go. Joining me, as he does usually, Mr. Paul Hedrick. Paul, what happened last night, in your opinion, given the fact that the Sixers got out to this huge lead. They were up 15 after the first quarter. Everything looked like it was going well. And then what happened? Their bench, I, I think Bones Highland might have outscored their entire bench, or I think they might actually been even. I think, I think Bones had 18, and the entire Sixers bench had 18. Like, you don't have to go too far. Uh, and and that's, that's not just last night. Um, you're, you're, you know, you, you mentioned the bigger picture issues, and I think one of them is, just that I, I am really worried about their depth. I'm really worried about their bench. And it, I, I don't know what the numbers are right now after eight games with James Harden, but I know they were after like five games when, when Embiid, Harden and Maxi are on the floor together, they're crushing people like flat. Like they're just, when they, those three are on the floor together, the Sixers are playing extremely good basketball and beating other teams. When Maxi's not there, it makes a difference when what like whenever a bench player is involved, the lineup takes a hit. So that's pretty alarming. Um, right now, to me, the only reliable bench player you have is George Niang. That's it. Um, I, DeAndre Jordan, I I can't like <laughs> Doc saying that he's been great so far. It's I I, I hope that it's in line with the way he praised Ben Simmons and that maybe he was just trying to butter him up a little bit and like just didn't want to kill his confidence. Because if you watched these last few games and really earnestly believe that DeAndre Jordan has been great, I, I like, I, I don't get it. I really don't. He's, he's been bad. Um, and he was really, especially bad last night. Um, defensively, falling asleep against Jokic multiple times, offensively missing multiple shots at the rim. I, I don't know what he's giving you. I mean, Doc mentioned, oh, well, he's a roller. Okay. Paul Reed can roll. Charles Bassey can roll. Um, You know, George Niang as a, do you want to throw him in there as a backup five? He can pop. Uh, it's just, I don't know what he's bringing that, it makes sense to keep playing him. And then beyond that, a guy in Danny green, who I thought was so crucial to them last year and 
a big part of the reason they lose that Hawk series is Danny Green goes down with that calf injury. But this year, it's it, it seems like he, his age, his injuries are really catching up with him because he just does not look like the same player as last year. And for some reason against Denver, he decided he was going to put the ball on the floor, which was predictably a disaster. I, I don't know what he was thinking. Like, just catch it and shoot it, man. Like that, that's why you're in there. You're not in there to pump fake and drive. Like he got the Tobias Harris syndrome where he decided he was going to catch wide open looks. And instead of shooting them dribble. So I just have some serious concerns about the backup center, about the wing depth, because even, you know, beyond Danny, like, Shake Milton has been okay at best. Uh, I don't feel great about about how he's played. He's been fine, I guess, is the best way to put it, which is better than what Furkan Korkmaz was because Furkan Korkmaz was just flat out bad. At least Shake Milton has been, like, fine. He hasn't been a disaster when he's been out there. Isaiah Joe, it's very clear he's not going to get a fair shake with Doc. Doc Doc's going to put him in here and there and never give him a, a full role, and that's just – I think we all need to move on and accept that. And so I, I just worry that this doc's going to cut this rotation down. to I feel like eight guys. And I fear that two of those guys are on their last legs and they might be beyond their last legs at this point. So I think if, if that Denver game illustrated anything now, I want to say this too: second half of a back-to-back clearly the legs were, were not there in the second half. They missed a lot of really good open looks. I thought, between Embiid and Hard, they generated a lot of really, really good looks for other people that guys just flat out didn't make. So I think that's that's a part of it too. But yeah, I have just serious, serious concerns about this team's depth right now. Yeah, I'm with you, Paul. And I, I think that, you know, watching the Sixers play since they got Harden, we've, we know how much the team has improved with his arrival, right? You just see it, you know, there is a difference, like you mentioned on the offensive end. You look at when... The Sixers have uh, Embiid, Maxi, Harden on the court. We we know we, we we can watch it. It passes the eye test completely. But I'm with you. What are they going to do come playoff time? And I don't know. I mean, even with Daryl Morey, like we all praised him for for waiting on on Ben Simmons not getting backed into a deal that you know maybe got the Sixers C.J. McCollum or, or or somebody along those lines. He got a superstar, but I think in all that he failed to address a need that the team has had really since the start of the season is wing depth and some athleticism. And we talk about the team not being able to get back on transition defense and the Sixers not great at pushing the ball because they don't have a lot of those guys that are capable of doing it. And you mentioned, you know, like for doc to be like Deandre Jordan's been great. He was one for six yesterday. You know what I mean? Like he hasn't been great. He's been serviceable at points, but not great. And I think, you know, and we all know this is that, the issues with Doc have been apparent for a long time, the better part of a decade that we see going back to his days with the Clippers, that he gets stuck on his rotations and he gets stuck with his bench players. And you look at, at the, uh, at the nuggets and, and the difference between the plus minus every single starter for the nuggets was a minus yesterday, every single bench guy. And they ended up playing five guys off the bench. were all double digits in the plus. And I know plus minus not the greatest stat, but that gives you an idea of what the difference was in this game. And you look at the Sixers, every single starter was a plus. The four guys that played off the bench were all minuses. George Niang had a terrible shooting night, two for 10 from deep, two for 12 overall. And and I put this up on Twitter 
when he took that final shot yesterday, hit the side of the backboard, and there's three and a half seconds left or four seconds left. And instead of passing it out to Maxi or even looking for a three, he tries chucking up another two. That was just bad awareness. But I'm with you. George Niang has been a revelation coming off the bench for this team. But you look at Danny Green. One more year at $10 million. What are they going to do with that? Hopefully somebody takes that as an expiring. Uh, you mentioned Shake Milton. Only got eight minutes yesterday. It hasn't looked great since he got back from injury. What else are their options at this point? Like, do you think that this will come back and bite the Sixers in the, you know what, come time for the playoffs where you're playing against teams like Milwaukee, you're playing against teams like Miami that have this depth and aren't going to have to worry if one of their starters gets in foul trouble? It absolutely could come back to her. I think that's the one thing that if they lose a series, that's going to be what caught like kind of like, like to what you said off the top with Maury and that, you know, making that hard trade, like you make that trade, like 100 out of 100 times you make that trade. You live with the fact that your depth isn't going to be that good because you have the opportunity to get James Harden. But I think your point is fair that because it, it occupied so much of Maury's time to get that deal done, he didn't have enough time to then pivot and perhaps get another backup center to take the place of Andre Drummond um, or get another wing that could hit a shot or maybe play a little bit more defense. Uh, maybe maybe a forward that can be a little bit more balanced than a Matisse Thibel that can give you a little bit more on both ends of the floor. Um, you know, he didn't have the opportunity to go out and get that guy. So, yeah, I, I, I think that's a fair point, but I think you still make the trade for James Harden because I think if you don't, you're stuck in mediocrity. Then I think you're probably going to wind up being like the fourth or fifth seed and, and probably get bounced by somebody like the Celtics or something in the first round. Whereas, yeah, it's not going to be an easy path as we discussed many, many times in the Eastern Conference. It's going to be a bloodbath. But um, when you have the high-level player of James Harden and you have a, an MVP candidate in Joel Embiid, it can cover a lot up. So I, I think you're counting on that, but... Um, to kind of answer your question, like, can this come back to bite them? Yeah, 100%. If DeAndre Jordan has to play 10 minutes a game, which I, I, I just don't get why Doc Rivers is so insistent that it has to be this veteran guy, why it can't be Paul Reed or Charles Bass. Like, why not just give it a look? Like, I, I don't know what it could possibly hurt um, when you see how poorly um, DeAndre has played so far. Uh, and And I don't know. The mix of players, I, I still don't know if we've landed on the right mix here with Doc. Like, um, you know, James Harden and, and Niang seem to have a little something together. They seem to be really playing well. I think uh, Tom West wrote a really good piece about that, kind of breaking down how well they fit together. And, you know, Niang's willingness to just fire when he gets as soon as he touches the ball and how important that is for a player like James Harden. So if I'm Doc, I'm maybe exploring ways to get those two on the floor more, um, no matter what that takes, no matter what that looks like. And you touched on like the trans, like to me, the two biggest things that can hurt them are this, the backup center spot and their transition defense. Cause I think Danny green can play well enough that you'll be okay. I think shake again, shake Milton can be okay enough that you'll be able to get by with a few minutes. Like, I don't think he'll be a disaster. Like, if he gets an open shot, he might be able to take it. He won't just get killed on the defensive end. He can handle the basketball a little bit. Like, he'll be okay. Um, he won't be horrible. Um, but DeAndre Jordan has absolute disaster potential um, as the backup center. And it's just, I, I know you weren't around for it, Jazz, but, like, this just feels so much like 2019, where they went into the playoffs with Boba Maranovic, Jonah Bolden, and Greg Monroe as the backup big options. And I don't think any of them are good. And I think we're at a point where 
You have DeAndre Jordan. You have Paul Millsap. I don't think either of those options are good. I don't feel great about Paul Reed or Charles Bassey, but I feel like, man, I would at least really like to take a look at that before I just decide to hitch my wagon to DeAndre Jordan and just be done with it. So that and then the transition defense is just, man, I am really worried about that. You saw a player like Jokic just really exploited the hell out of it. Kevin Durant and the Nets, they talked about that. Now, listen, I think KD was puffing his chest out a little bit when he talked about that because I think the bigger issue is how often they turn the Sixers over. Of course, when you're turning a team over a ton, it's going to lead to transition opportunities on the other end. The bigger concern was what you saw Jokic do with those outlet passes last night where the Sixers just flat out getting beat by, you know, Jeff Green, who's been in the league for 100 years, and he's outrunning the Sixers down the other end of the floor. That's what I worry about. So those are the two biggest things, and it's like evergreen at this point. It's the backup center spot, transition defense, if they don't shore up those two things in some way, and again, doesn't have to be great. Like, I don't need DeAndre Jordan to be Lob City DeAndre Jordan. I need him to play even. I need him to be not a minus five. I need him to be a zero um, at the end of his minutes. And that will be good enough because at the end of games, if it's close, when you have Harden and you have Embiid and you have Maxi on the floor together, you're going to win more games probably than you lose if it's a close game, if the, uh, if the bench could just keep it close. Yeah, and that's and that has been kind of the Achilles heel through a lot of the season. And and you mentioned even even last year, you're looking at this like they need to address the depth. And and looking at the Sixers, they they give up the third most points in transition, only ahead of the Lakers and Houston. Both those teams stink. So that's giving you an idea where they're at in terms of the NBA pecking order when getting back on defense. And 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 I'm I'm with you on this. Like Again, I, I still think the Sixers are well positioned. I don't want to sound like it's doomsday, you know what I mean, or coming in like, oh yeah, they're they're this is it. They they lost one game and and as you mentioned, off a of back to back where they started really well and and looked pretty good overall, and things just kind of came apart in the second half and especially that fourth quarter where they were outscored by eleven points. But yeah, this is going to be a thing because you know we've seen Paul Reed, we we've seen how hard he works on defense. We've seen him crash the glass on the offensive end. He gives you a little bit more than the corpse of DeAndre Jordan and Paul Millsap at this point. You know what I mean? And so I'm with you. I don't know what Doc and and Co. And I don't. I obviously they're not practicing a ton, just given what the what the travel schedule and how often they're playing. But I do you think they're seeing something at practice? Do you think when Reed's been with the with the Blue Coats, like why is it that Paul Reed, uh, Charles Bassey, these guys who again have sometimes played in garbage minutes, but we've seen them play decent. Why do you think Doc is so hesitant to give them a chance? Uh, because of their birthdays, <laughs> like that's <laughs> it. Like, honestly, like that's the only reason DeAndre Jordan and Paul Millsap are getting minutes over those guys is because they're 30 in their thirties and they have playoff experience. That's it. Um, there's no other reason to play them. Like th- that doesn't mean they're better players just because they're old. Um, far from it as a matter of fact. A- and just, it is, it's just mind boggling to me that, that just give them a look like what the hell does it like you, <laughs> And that's the other thing too, Jets. Like you just kind of like we know what DeAndre Jordan is. We know what Paul Millsap is. We don't know 100% what Paul Reed is. We don't know 100% what Charles Bassey is. Just let them play. Give them a chance. You got 15 games here. Like give them each a game or two to just figure it out. Like I I, I don't think like James Harden and DeAndre Jordan have played together already. Like they don't need to develop chemistry. They don't need to play together. They don't, you don't need more minutes to see what that looks like. What you need is to see what, if you could possibly have a better option. And I don't think it's going to happen. Jess. like, quite frankly, I don't now 
Um, I also said that I didn't think Isaiah Joe was going to play at all. And then he did. So maybe Doc will prove me wrong. And I will gladly um, eat crow on that. I, I hope I'm wrong. I'm, I really hope the next game we see one of, if not both of Paul Reed and Charles Bassey possibly playing some minutes. Cause I think that would benefit the Sixers a great deal. I, 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 I just want to see it. I just want to see what it looks like with James Harden. Cause that's the other thing. Like, yes, we've seen both of these guys play. We haven't seen either of them play with James Harden. Like what could they be if they played with James? Um, uh, because he has a tendency to get the most out of guy, especially to me, Bassey would be the guy who I'd really be interested in. Cause I feel like that's the kind of guy that James Harden has played with and had a lot of success with. Um, and I think James Harden could basically tell him where to be and what to do at all times. And Bassey will be like, Okay, um, and he'll do it, and, and I think he could really thrive in that role. So, yeah, I, I, I just I, I'm really worried about that uncertainty. And it's funny because you t- you're right that I don't want to make it this doom and gloom situation because I look at the Sixers, and I'm not kidding when I say I could see them losing in the first round. I could see them going to the finals. I could literally like I think both things are plausible. Uh, they, like that's how ve- that's how many variables there are, not just with this team and with this head coach and, and, and what could happen, but also with the East, like it, it, it could go so many different ways. So it, it's, it, they're almost like a feast or famine team. Like I, I really think it's going to be first round or they're going to go to the finals. I'm not sure there is going to be an in-between. Uh, I'm with you, Paul. And I actually want to jump into some of the Eastern conference talk as well. Let's do that after a short break. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, we're back. Paul, we were talking a little bit there before the break about the Eastern Conference, and, and you mentioned the Sixers. I'm with you. It's like, it's, it's weird to see because you look at the Sixers amongst the teams that are in the top six in the East. They're the only ones who have kind of struggled at home. They're 19 and 15 compared to 22 and 11 away. Again, you don't see that very often in the NBA. Usually the teams have much better records at home. And I'm old enough to remember the days where teams like Utah, Seattle, Chicago, were go like 38 and three at home. We're just not seeing that anymore. But um, looking at this for, from that perspective, like the Sixers can't be Jekyll and Hyde in the playoffs because you're not going to get away with it. You know what I mean? You're, it's, it's not like you're going to go into round one. Maybe you, you take on a, a Cleveland um, who's still missing Jared Allen. And again, I think the Cavs will be probably the team most teams in the in the top six want to play in the first round them or chicago um but looking at this from like the sixers perspective is there anything you can do you think they can do to find that consistency to be there and be like every night they're going out like eight times out of ten nine times out of ten you know what you're going to get or is this just the way this is going to be because of the roster construction i think this is just the way it's going to be coming down the stretch because yeah, the roster is what it is. Like you're, you're not going to ch- unless Doc again decides that he's going to change things up and and give someone else a look. Uh, I mean, I don't know. Uh, I, then I, I think this team kind of is what it is, and I think the players are what they are. So I think you are you're going to have some nights where Joel Embiid is good or James and or James Harden are going to be dominant. You're going to have nights where Maxi goes off. Um, you know, you're going to get the occasional good game from Tobias Harris. You're going to 
get the occasional game where Matisse Thibel, you know, has is tremendous defensively, gets six steals. Like that's all going to mix in. You're going to have all those nights, but you're going to have nights that are converse, right? Like you're going to have nights where teams really, really trap James Harden. You saw that a lot against Denver. They trapped on every mm-hmm. single pick and roll. And that's going to be up to Joel and B to really, um, really flourish kind of in that short roll situation, which I think he can do. I just don't think he's used to it because he's not used to having the ball in the middle of the floor and having no one near him. That's a new one for him. Um, or having a, a really small player on him. I, I think he's got to make some adjustments off that. And I'm confident that he can, and he will, because I think he's that great and he's that versatile that I think he can kind of do whatever he wants. So I expect, you know, them to really be in the film room with him studying ways that they can exploit that. So I think that will help. I think there will be adjustments made off that. Um, but the other, yeah, the rest is there's like Tyrese Maxey as good as he is. And as much as I like him, he's 21 years old. It's a big ass for a guy that young to, to kind of contribute the way he has and to keep, keep continuing to contribute this way. Um, during a championship run. Same with Matisse. Matisse Thibel is the oddest NBA player I think I've ever covered in that he's so, he's like, he's revolutionary defensively. And then offensively, he just looks like he's never played basketball before sometimes. So you have that. And then same like Tobias Harris, like he was great in the first half against Denver. He was awesome. He was decisive. He made a couple big shots. He wasn't thinking, was just moving. Then he did nothing in the second half. So, there, I think this team is just going to be up and down. And as you mentioned, I don't know that you can get away with that in the playoffs, uh, especially if you go up against a team that's going to be consistent and bring it every single night. Uh, you mentioned Miami, a team I, I think the the their depth is their strength. And I think, you know, if you go into that series again, if you have to play the Miami Heat at some point, you have the best two players in that series, I, I would argue, mm-hmm. in Joel Embiid and James Harden. But then they probably have the next, I don't know, four, three or four best players. And then it's Maxi, and then it's the next four players are probably Heat players too. So um, they can get over Jimmy Butler not having a great night because then maybe you have Tyler Hero uh, going off or Duncan Robinson going off or P.J. Tucker having a nice night. Um, or, you know, down the line of guys, uh, Kyle Lowry, Markeith Morris, you know, they have players that can, if one of their or two other guys are struggling, they have guys that can fill in and 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 fill in those gaps. And the Sixers simply don't have that. If James Harden and Joel Embiid happen to be off on the same night, they don't have the necessary depth to to make up for that. Yeah, and 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 I again, you know, looking at this from a coaching perspective, like Doc needs to do something in order to change up his rotations. He needs to, and you, you know, you mentioned James Harden, right? Like you look at, and I'm not comparing these guys to him, but you look at Clint Capella, a relative nobody when he was started off with the Houston Rockets, but a very good fit next to Harden in terms of he could set the pick and roll. You can give him a lob. He was good defensively. You look at guys like Bassey is, is again, a second round pick. You're not really expecting much out of him, but he's an athletic freak. I mean, we've seen what he can do on the, on the, on the boards and, and how quick he's like a pogo stick guy. Uh, you look at, Paul Reed, again, not as athletic in my opinion as, as Bassey, but still can fill that role really well. And the Sixers are going to need that. And, and we've talked about this a bit before on the podcast too, Paul, is in the playoffs, you need somebody who's going to have that podium game. You know what I mean? That somebody is, nobody expects to come out and this guy scores, you know, 24 points, hits, hits a bunch of threes and open shots and wins you a big pivotal game. And I, I think looking at the Sixers is like, okay, we see that in George Niang. He can come in and have a 20 point night. Anybody else really like Danny green, considering what we've seen from him 
all season. He's been so up and down, obviously has dealt with injuries, COVID stuff, um, maybe still recovering from that, but like there's nobody else on the roster that you look at and say, Hey, these guys are going to be able to come in and win us a game. And you are going to need that over a seven game series against a team like Miami against a team like Milwaukee. And I don't know if the Sixers have that on the roster right now. And again, you're looking around the Eastern conference, the Sixers only a game up on, on the Celtics who are in fifth, uh, two and a half up on the Cavs. Although I don't think the Cavs will move up that much just given what's going on with the injuries there and, and their inconsistency as of late, but you're looking at this, like how are the Sixers going to be able to match up in a seven game series against a Milwaukee and a Miami, you're going to need Maxi and bead and, and Harden to win you those series on their own, because even looking at what they're getting from Tobias Harris had a nice game against Orlando on Sunday. Didn't look great yesterday. As you mentioned in the second half, only finished with 10 points. Like, is there anything you think like looking at this from your perspective, Paul, and putting your coaching hat on, what would you try and do at this point if you were Doc to maybe change your rotation around or give the team a bump when things aren't working as planned in a given game? Yeah, I mean, it, like I kind of already mentioned, I, I would try to pair Harden and Niang more. I, I think yeah. that would be a good thing. Um, and I, I would maybe try to go small ball, maybe putting Niang at the five. I don't know. Like, I, I don't know if that'll work, but it would beat the hell out of trotting out Jordan and, and Millsap every night, uh, you know, giving that a look. And another than that, again, I'm just going to keep going back to just, you know, you mentioned Bassey not, you know, being a second round pick, but listen, this is a guy that people thought was going to be a lottery pick at one point. That's not an exaggeration. Like after he, after his freshman year at Western Kentucky, people thought he had a potential to be a lottery pick. So this guy is talented. There is talent there. And to your point, you look what James did for Capella in Houston, not saying that, Passy can get to that level because, you know, Capella was like a borderline all-star at one point, but who's to say that James Harden can't find something in Bassey that he can kind of unlock and perhaps get the most out of him. So I think, I mean, us talking about it, I feel like we're beating our heads up against the wall because I I don't think it's going to happen. But to me, I think doc has to be, I, I think he's at a point where he feels comfortable with eight guys that he's got locked in. That's the starting five. That's Danny Green, that's George Niang, and that's DeAndre Jordan. I wouldn't be there if I'm him, but I think that's where he is. Um, he mm-hmm. said last night he feels comfortable with 11 guys. I think, quite frankly, that's bullshit. I don't, I don't think he's comfortable with 11 guys. I think he's comfortable with those eight players. Um, and two of those guys, in DeAndre Jordan and, and Danny Green, I have enormous, enormous concerns about. Um, I feel slightly better about Danny green because of how good he was last year. And, you know, maybe he finds his legs and maybe once the playoffs kick, he, he turn he can kind of get into a second gear and maybe figure some things out. Maybe he can regain his form a little bit in a smaller role than what he played last year. But Deandre Jordan, I, I just quite frankly, have no faith that, that he, I think we already saw what he was last year with Brooklyn. We saw what he was earlier this season with LA and I have no evidence to suggest that he's going to be any better. So uh, I, to me, I think, there, I think there's, you know, whatever, 15 or so games left. I think there's still room for experimentation. I don't think Doc Rivers agrees with me on that, but that's where I would be. I, I would still be messing with stuff. I'd still be, because you, I think you're pretty good with the start. Like, yeah, Tobias Harris has been up and down. Max had a couple of rough games before kind of bouncing back last night, but I feel good about the starting five. I feel like they're going to be okay. I'm worried about everywhere else. And I think there's room to experiment. I think there's room to tinker with things and try different lineups. And that's what I would be doing. But I don't think that's what the Philadelphia 76ers head coach is going to be doing. 
No, and, and and we've seen him lack making adjustments the whole time. You look at DeAndre Jordan, only been four games, so I know it's it's, it's a small sample size, minus 13.3 net rating in those four games with the Sixers. So, I again, saying he's been great, saying he's been, you know, they like what they're getting out of DeAndre, I, that's just BS to me in coach speak. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, Paul, let's look ahead. We sound like the sky is falling, even though the Sixers are sitting at 41 <laughs> and 26. So I don't want to be like that. But uh, tough upcoming schedule. You got four teams are in the playoffs, Cleveland, Dallas, Toronto, Miami. Then they come out to the West Coast. They got the Lakers, Clippers, Suns, a game against Milwaukee before things do ease up at the end. And that's no disrespect to teams like uh, Cleveland or Toronto, but you got some games against Indiana, Detroit that should be able to pad the Sixers uh, overall, you know, numbers in terms of where they are in the standings. But I'll ask you this, Paul, 41 and 26, as I just mentioned, 15 games left to go. Where do you think the Sixers end up with the record at, at the 82 game mark? I still see them as a two or a three. Cause I think, cause I do think, yeah, this is like a little bit skies falling because quite frankly, they haven't been good the last three games. Um, they were terrible against Brooklyn. They weren't very good against the magic. Um, they were very good early against Denver and then they fell apart late. And I think tired legs could be a big contributing factor to that. So, I still think this is a really good basketball team. I still think they're probably going to get one of the top three seeds. I still think that's very much in range. Um, I'm curious where that lands them because I think the Brooklyn Nets are coming. Um, I This is maybe a little bit of a hot take. I, I kind of think the Brooklyn Nets are going to wind up at least as a sixth seed. I think they're going to over, um, you know, I think they're going to pass over Cleveland. I think Cleveland, as you mentioned, without Jaron Allen is going to struggle here down the stretch. And I think, I think Cleveland might wind up ultimately being a play-in team. And I think the Brooklyn Nets are going to wind up being a six. And so if you're the three seed, that's not an ideal matchup you want in the first round. Now, I don't think the teams are nearly as far apart as we saw in their last matchup. I don't think the Nets are going to shoot 65% um, every night against the Sixers. And I don't think the Sixers are going to shoot 30% against the Nets every night. I expect that to be a much more even series with that said, yeah, I really don't want to play the Brooklyn Nets in the first round. Um, so I think the two seed would be better because I think then you'd be more likely to play a Toronto or a Cleveland. Um, and I think that would be not an easy matchup. Um, as we've stated, any team you play in the East, it's going to be tough. Uh, but I, I would much rather play one of those teams than have to take on the Brooklyn Nets or even, quite frankly, the Boston Celtics in the first round. Yeah, the Celtics have been great over the last, you know, two and a half, three months. And, and I, you know, I was with you, the Brooklyn looking at that four games back, the Nets have 14 games left, uh, depending on what happens with the Cavs overall. Uh, looking at that, I mean, I think that might be a tough ass to, to overtake them. And again, Cleveland hasn't looked very good as of late and, and dealing with the injuries that, that the Cavs have been dealing with. Uh, overall, they've lost five out of their last eight games. And going back even further now, they've lost eight of their last 13. So it's like they're, they haven't been playing well, but I don't, I don't, that's going to be a tough ask. And I'm with you. Cause I'm, I'm also looking at that. I'm not afraid to break Brooklyn. If I'm the Sixers, you know what I mean? I, I still think the Sixers could beat them uh, in a, in a seven game series. Although you don't want to go against Kevin Durant because he, to me is a, a freak. You know what I mean? Just there's no scorer like him in the NBA, but even if he finishes a two seed, it's like, you're going to have a tough matchup. And that's why the Eastern conference and Paul, we've mentioned this so much that the Eastern conference is just absolutely loaded. And we have no clue how things are going to play out, but it is going to be interesting to see where the Sixers do wind up in the standings and knowing that these last 15 games, although usually you get to the last, you know, five, six games, you kind of know where you're going to be this year. It's you have to play 
the entire schedule out. You know what I mean? There's no, there's no time to take a rest because these games are so important. And as you mentioned, you want to avoid maybe playing a Brooklyn or Boston in the first round and hopefully get that matchup against Chicago or Cleveland. Let's wrap things up there, Paul. Um, anything going on that you're looking at, at at the site, anything you're going to be covering in particular over the next, uh, over the next week or so here. Yeah, I think it's kind of what we are, what we've, uh, touched on during this podcast and it's going to be us taking a, a bigger look at some of those things you know the adjustments that defenses have made to the partnership of, of James Harden and Joel Embiid and things they can do to kind of counter that uh, again a more in-depth look at at the center situation and why Paul Reed and, and Charles Bassey should be getting a look uh, and and I think you know Matisse Thibel is a guy that we haven't touched a ton on but he was he was kind of getting uh, dumped on a little bit for for you know the last couple of games and then I thought he was really really good against Denver and maybe Doc went away from him a little too soon so just examining where he is and how he fits because I think he's a really interesting case as I mentioned a guy who is one of the most difficult players to kind of figure out in the NBA because he's so unique and so different um, in the disparity of his defense compared to his offense so we're definitely going to look at all those things uh, this week and then you know coming down the stretch as well all right there you have it. So don't forget to, to check that out at libertyballers.com. And as I mentioned off the top, subscribe to Liberty Ballers Podcast Network. You can catch us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, you name it. We are there. Always appreciate a five-star review as well. Uh, that'll wrap it up. I'll have Jackson Frank with me on the post game after the Cavs take on the Sixers on Wednesday. That and coming up on Thursday, Mr. Paul, you're going to be doing a coming in for a landing episode. Are you going to, you need a day off. Should we just take a day off here this week? Or what are we going to do? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, listen, as of right now, I'll, I'm, I'm in for it, but we'll see. I'll, I'll pivot because it's been uh, it's been tumultuous times over here, but uh, we'll figure it out. We're going to get through it. And again, Paul, hey, you know what? No, no days off come time for the playoffs. Don't forget <laughs> that either. And uh, j- just so you all know, uh, if you are listening to this, that yeah, me and Paul are going to be planning on doing some live streams during the playoffs as well. Each off day, we'll be talking about what's going on in the Sixers playoff series, reacting to some of the quotes and kind of giving our thoughts on that. So we'll, we'll have more information on that as uh, we get closer to the playoffs. That'll do it for this one. We'll catch up with you all next time. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.